your weekly Selk Grassroots podcast, brought to you by the Down to Play app. One to one with odds and evens. One to one with odds and evens. Recording. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, really pleased to have this geezer on. I've got Mike from Love Non League, um, formerly non Love Love Bo- Love Bostick, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, began. Met. Yeah, began as Love Love Bostick Premier, I think it was, because that right. was the that was the um, that was the division where my where my team was that I support. Uh, they were in that division. And then they got promoted. So then I became Love, Love Conference South. Uh, and then I uh, broadened it even more to thought, oh, let's just do the South. I think I did Love Non-League South. I've had more bloody names than... No, yeah, um, I, I remember we had some kind of dialogue and um, it was like, what do you think? What do you think? And uh, I think it's a brilliant name. Love Non-League just covers, ev- covers everything, doesn't it? That's right, yeah, it's pretty simple, it's pretty straightforward, it says what it does on the tin and, you know, allows me to try and push up um, up northern way as well, which I've not really had too much, too much sort of um, exposure up there, so I'm, I'm trying, to get, um, trying to get followers from up there as well and to help players up there as well. Yeah, I mean, I can, I've got a few links up there with Cleggy, I think he's at Ashton. Ashton, now I've got a few links up there. Um, uh, FC United, blah blah blah. I'll just have to look through my phone and um, share the share the love, share the love of that's, non-league. That's not a Clegg. That's not the Clegg that used to play for Man United, is it? Do you know what I mean? There was a Clegg there, wasn't there? Like a right back or something. Yeah, it's not him though, because he became a physio at Sunderland. It's the, other, it's the other Cleggy who is, um, let's say, a bit more street. Um, but he's a, he's a top, top, top fella. Really, really lovely fella, uh, guy and uh, very accommodating when you go up there. He was formerly at, um, what do you call it? Uh, Atherton, 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 Atherton Collieries. 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 Yeah. Yeah, because um, you went up there, didn't you? Yeah, it's a good, good, good day out that. We should go up. Once all this mm. uh, nightmare is over, um, we won't talk about the nightmare of COVID because everyone's fed up with it, I think. But um, when did you start then? When did you start on this journey? Um, I think it was round about. Um, well, I mean, the tw- the Twitter account actually started about seven years ago, um, and I was just doing bits and pieces, and then I just got really bored with it and I kind of left it I left it must have left it for about two years I didn't do anything with it and I was sort of concentrating on other Twitter accounts that I've got um, and then I came back to it and just sort of managed to start growing it more and and as I was expanding sort of divisions and then you know more more of the south I was getting more followers and um, from that it sort of all the recruitment stuff started February 2019, I think it was. Just a, a player just came out of the blue and said, "Could you help me with finding a club?" I had no idea what what he was talking about or how I could help him. 
Um, but because I'd been speaking to, I had spoken to sort of managers through the account, you know, just generally chatting to a few different managers, um, that I sort of started to, um, yeah, started to help players. Um, and it was sort of the first time I spoke to a manager. You know, I was terrified. I had no idea what I was, you know, what I was doing, what I was supposed to say. Um, actually, the manager, I, the first, very first manager I spoke to was a chap called Dixon Gill, who I think is quite well known in non-league. Um, I think I remember in that conversation, he was, I think he was part of the backroom staff for Crystal Palace when they played in the FA Cup final uh, against Man United in 1990. I think he's, he's I haven't actually looked him up, but I, I, I'm sure everyone knows him. A lot of people know him. He's, um, he's well known in the game. I, I, didn't, I didn't really know him, although I, when he started talking about that game, I, I remember that because I'm, I'm a Man United fan as well, uh, as well as my local team, although not so much anymore. Um, so I remember that game very, very clearly. Uh, it went to it was three three, then went to a replay. Um, was so eighty nine or so? Nineteen ninety was Man United against Palace. Nineteen ninety, uh, Ian Wright was uh, Ian Wright got the two goals, came yeah. off the bench. Yeah, that was a brilliant final. That was that was also the year of the that semi-final day when Liverpool lost to Palace and United drew yeah. 3-3 with Oldham and then beat them in a replay. That's that was right. uh, good old days. Um, so, uh, yes, yeah, so I was having a chat with him, but I really didn't know what, what I was doing. I was just trying to wing it. Um, and just sort of from there, I think I helped. So then I helped him get a player. And from you, there, what he just team sort of, was What team was he with, Mike? He was with Egham. Egham, so South South East, yeah. Yeah, so Surrey, I think they are. Um, I think they're like step five. I think they were at the time or might have been step four. And he was saying about, you know, these problems he was having at the club and that, and he'd sort of been pulled in to try and turn things around. Um, And then I chat with his assistant as well. And just sort of every time you speak to a manager, um, you kind of, get a bit more confidence um, and, and as time goes on and you then start to get sort of results being able to match players up with with clubs yeah you, you, you sort of you start to take off and, and you feel a lot more confident and now you know um, when, when I speak to managers beforehand I'd be like you know I'd be starstruck oh my god you know it's a, it's a non-league football manager that's like huge um, but now I can just talk to them like they're, like they're you know, the man yeah, I in the street. Most, most of them, I mean, in my experience, most of them are, you know, that that well, they're human beings and they're, they're nice. You know, yeah, they, they are. They're really accommodating, they're really friendly and they can, you know, when they're on the side of the pitch, you think, oh, hold on a minute, but they're trying to win games and start it and, 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 you know, like the rest of rest of everyone else, but um, yeah, they're genuinely ni- nice people. What do, so? Do you get these? Uh, what I'm interested in, and I'm probably the listeners are interested. In, how do you get 20k followers on Insta? On, on Twitter. Twitter, sorry. How do you do that? 
Well, I mean, the way I do it, and you'll probably notice it, is that um, I've got, I, not only do I have a decent amount of followers, but I follow a, a large, a huge amount of followers as well. And that's what, that's what kind of does it for me is that, um, okay, I mean, I, sometimes I do tweets that get a lot of uh, attention. I did one tweet about the Let Fans In campaign when it was really right at the very beginning when yeah. people was, were starting to say, hang on, you know, this doesn't make sense. You know, what are these people doing in a theatre and, and we can't all be spread out around a non-league club? And I did, a, um, I did one tweet uh, and I remember doing it on the Saturday morning and, and actually doing a tweet in capitals always seems to get more attention as well. I think it seems to stand out more to people as they're going through. And it was, you know, a tweet about, you know, please Boris, our clubs are dying and all that kind of thing. And it absolutely took off. And, you know, it was getting like about 100 retweets every single hour. And over that weekend, it was, it was massive. And um, it, in the end, it got about 2,500 retweets, which, you know, is by far the, the biggest and, and best tweet I've ever done. Um, and, and that brought in a lot of followers as well, because that was spreading that, the message of that, uh, of my account all over non-league, all over the you know the football world, really. So that brought in a lot of followers. Um, but but I tend to follow a lot of people, it's, which is basically just kind of waving at them to say, "Hi, you know, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. And then what I hope they do is they go, "Oh, who's followed me?" Then they have a look at my page and think, oh, "Okay, that sounds interesting. I'll give them a follow," and away they go. So that is, um, that's certainly the way, and with other ca- accounts I've, I've run as well, that's how I've, that's how I've managed to get the followers up. Because um, I don't always have time to be able to put out loads and loads of content all the time, which is, you know, obviously an, another way of, of getting the followers in. The people, the people that follow very few but have huge followers, you know, their content is really good um, mm. and is very regular. So... Um, that's how I do it, and that's you know that seems to work. If if you're saying hello to people, and then you've got a good, attractive page, it will make people follow you. So that seems to work. And you know, during the good during the good times, it's sort of slowed down a little bit last couple of months. But I was sort of getting about a thousand followers a month, um, which was pretty good. And I was thinking, well, you know, twelve thousand a year. Give it five years, you know. I'm gonna can have a fair, fairly good old sum, but perhaps, but perhaps it kind of runs out eventually. You know, there's only so many non-league fans um, that are on Twitter. So I assume the more you go up, probably the harder it is to find them. But yeah. then when you look at someone like Love, um, the non-league paper, they've got seventy-two thousand followers. So. There so that's are, the market. You know, that's the that's the market. So there's a long way to go. That's interesting, and that's good for um, you know, people that are on social media and young people, especially that are out there that are looking to grow their brand and grow their platforms and stuff. Because um, it's not easy. It's it's not easy. I've just looked at you've got thirteen point eight k, thirteen point eight k, tweets, thirteen thousand, nearly fourteen thousand. Yeah, four, nearly 14,000 tweets in just over a year, 13 months. So it's 1,000 tweets a month. Really? That seems like quite a lot. 
Well, it is, when you, it is when you break it down. But you are... God, how many is that a day? I mean, I don't feel like I tweet that much. I feel like possibly I do about five or six a day. Um, sometimes I'll just retweet someone. Like, I retweet that. Oh, Ollie no, Bayless it, says, a lot. it says born October 2019, joined 2013. So that's over seven years. So it's only, it's, it's only 2,000 a year. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's not so like, bad. Yeah. 2,000 a year. What, 12 months in a year? Uh, anyway, we're doing the maths. Anyway, we're getting boring now. We're doing an economics and uh, business lesson. Um, so the first player was, was you got, your place was down in Egham. Do you follow the kind of grant? Have you, you've got kids and stuff, I know that. Um, but do you have time to follow the sort of grassroots Sunday league, trying to find a player? Are you not, are you not at that stage yet? You know, just to find like, that cold. Yeah, I don't really tend to go that low. The, pro- the problem is I'm just, I'm so inundated. Um, I, I mean, even at the moment, I try and help steps one to five. Um, there's no way I could do any more. I do get, I do get approached by steps six, seven, eight. And I just say, I'm really sorry. I, c- I can't do that as well. Because really, it's just me, me by myself trying to do it. Um, you know, I've even thought of perhaps shrinking it down and cutting out step five. But, you know, step five has been pretty good to me, really. You know, so some of the managers and some of the players have, have been have been good. And I think so, sort of the higher you go, uh, or perhaps the lower you go, they're a lot more receptive to it. Um, having said that, I've got some great managers at step two that I've, you know, that I've helped and that um, see me as, you know, a, a good tool, <laughs> not calling me a tool, but, you know, a good, uh, a good resource. Um, because, and, and I, think it's, I think it's about educating um, some of these managers, because I know I've had a couple that have said, you know what, uh, I, I, don't, I don't need someone like you. I, I, know, I know the football world. I know what players I want. And I'll say, yeah, but you don't know every single player out there. You might know the players you know, but there might be a player that's moved into your area you haven't got a clue about, and he might have come from, a, from the pro game and just wants to get back into non-league, and he could make your team better. You don't even know about him, but I do. So I think it's a case of sometimes um, educating the, the guys that have been in the game a long time They'll be like, oh, no, you know, this is, this is all a bit new. Um, and then, you know, eventually they come round to it. But definitely the younger managers are definitely more into using yeah, it. Yeah, I suppose because they're used to doing the social media. I think everyone has a go at the social media and Twitter especially. If we, um, but there's only, I, I suppose there's sort of younger um, ones are, are more lot, more active on there and they would see what you're up to, and then they start checking out. But word spreads around between managers. What I've learned is that they all know each other, even at sort of even at these sort of YouTube Sunday League level. You know, they all kind of there's all connections to the levels. Whether that's level three, four, five, you know, it's quite interesting that there is a connect between that. So if someone's playing for a YouTube team. For instance, uh, I don't know, uh, All Stars or um, one of these sort of Sunday League teams, and they're 
playing with a player that plays on a Saturday at level three, four, five. You know, there's a rec- there's recommendations that come come through that, and I suppose they co- they come to you, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't had too much to do with those with those teams you say, but those those Sunday teams, Number the four stars, and, yeah, and and all um, that. Yeah, they are teams. Although they're Sunday teams, I mean, the the standard of them is very good, isn't it? Um, so they are teams that I would potentially be interested in trying to help because they get a you know a lot of exposure, don't they? I mean, some of them. Oh, what was the team? Um, the team that that did well in the FA Cup, but step four. Oh, hashtag. Yeah, I mean, they're huge, you know, huge around the world. Um, I haven't, no, um, ma- you know, they're massive all around the world, and they and they are going places. But there's a there's a real, um, I think there's a real because I get around on a Sunday. I go and you know, I, I, I'll see some really good players. There's a really untapped source, but you know, they're all on Twitter. They'll find they'll find find you and find other people to sort of. Um, represent them if you like or to help them climb up um but it's an interesting it is an interesting concept i mean one player for instance is tayshan at rising ballers I, I, I know that i've seen him retweet you and uh Tayshe, and he's a really really nice young man oh tayshan yeah. yes and that's Tayshe. what made me interested is like okay because you know there is a connection here tayshan's a really nice guy mike's a good bloke Two good blokes going together on a journey is that's what really lights me up. It, it makes me think, yeah, this is cool, you know. Yeah, that was that was a good one. That one because Tayshan, I think, contacted me, and um, I, I was aware of him because he he done really well at Merston, hadn't he? Um, so I knew he was a good player, and then he asked for a bit of help, and I managed to get him into uh, a trial at Hemel Hempstead with Sammy Moore and uh, Jack Midson. And um, he, he was there for a couple of weeks and he was doing okay. And then he got into, uh, I think they were having a friendly. And I thought I'd quite like to go up and, and watch him play because I'd never actually seen, I don't think I'd seen him live before. I'd seen sort of some clips. And, um, and I went up there on a cold Tuesday night. Oh no, it wasn't a friendly. It was one of those Mickey Mouse cups. They oh, were the local, Potter. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they were. Oh, yeah. It, uh, yeah, was it like um, it, they were the playing North, Potter's yeah. Bar? So whether it was something like what what county are there? Is that Hertfordshire or something like that? It or, is Hertfordshire. Yeah, it's kind of it was a Hertfordshire County Cup or so. It was one of those. Yeah. and I went up there, and you know, I went on my way up there. I was thinking, God, you know, a year ago, I'd never have thought. I'd, you know, if you'd said to me, I'm going to be travelling all the way up to Hemel Hempstead on a cold Tuesday night to go and watch a county cup between two teams that really I have no interest in, I'd never have believed you. And I sat in the stand and I, and I watched the game and, and sort of took notes on Tayshan and that. But also, there was a guy near me who I started talking to and he was a, the dad of one of the players uh, and actually then that connected me to that player and I now keep in touch with that player and try and help him where I can. But also wow. this dad said, um, oh, have you ever met a Chelsea legend? And I said, no. And he said, well, there's one coming round in a minute. He said, I know him. So I was like, oh, right. I was sort of trying to guess with him who it was going to be. 
and uh, around he came, and it was it was Michael Dubry. Do you remember him? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was yeah, yeah. he was a um, centre back. Centre back. I can't remember where else he played. He played a few other Leeds. He um, played. Went to Leeds, I think. Leeds. Yeah, he went to Leeds. He came round. But he was on yeah. the radio. He, he speaks really well. He, he, um, he, speaks, he, on the he speaks well of me, does he? That's nice. Yeah, he mentioned you. No, but he was on. He was on. Um, he was on the radio the other day, and it was like, "Who's that voice? Who's that voice?" But and then it, and then someone called him Dubs or whatever that was his nickname, and and it was like, "Oh, it's Michael Dubry. Yeah, he's good. Good to yeah. yeah, yeah, well, he was so. So he was there. I think. Um, so he often goes to, I think, Hemel Games. And uh, so I had a nice chat with him and I thought, blimey, you know, this is really, it's kind of uh, really given me interesting experiences, this, that. And, um, and so I've kept in contact with, not, not with him, but kept in contact with that player where the father was there. So I'm going to try and help him where I can. And, and then I saw Taishan after and had a good chat with him. In the end, unfortunately, they didn't take him on um, and, and he went elsewhere. Uh, but I met Sammy Moore that night as well and Jack Midson and had a chat with them about Taishan. And it was, uh, no, it was great. So, you know, on the way home, I was thinking, what the hell, you know, I've actually, I've met some, you know, I've met a Premier League star. Obviously, Sammy League and Midson have, have been excellent in the Football League as well. So that was a good evening, that. Yeah, it's good. It's it's that's it's 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 good when you you can actually find the time. You've got a family, you know, like to get out on a Tuesday night and, as you say, sit in the stands. And you, you know, you just um, I think that's a big part of it for me. You know, is to get out and about as as much as possible. But um, you know, some of these guys do that every week, week in, week out. You know, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to get out and about. Really, I'd love to. You know be uh, it's so difficult when you you know when you're you're married with a family and a job and all that kind of thing it's um and you want to watch your own team as well it's very difficult to to get out and watch other games yeah um, but, but i've done i've done you know bits and pieces here there and everywhere plus i play football as well just a little bit of you know six aside so and that that's a couple of evenings a week so it's just so manic hence why i struggle to find i struggle to be able to help um, as many players as I want to and you know I feel really bad people message me and I just don't have the time to respond on some of them and they'll say you know I sent you a message you know can you help me and I say I'm oh, really sorry because just just trying to help one manager because I need because I want to do a thorough job and and I leave no stone unturned I'm, I'm like a dog with a bone if someone says I want a centre back can you get me one I will keep going until, until I find it. yeah um uh, or or the manager finds one from elsewhere. If he says, "Oh, actually, no, I've got one now," call off the dogs. So then, uh, then I stop. But you know, for me, it's about getting that success. Because if I get that success, I can shout about it from the Twitter account, and then that spreads the word more. You know, the player might thank me on Twitter. The manager might thank me on Twitter, and then suddenly other people think, "Oh, okay, sounds like he's done a good job for so and so. I'll give him a shout." And then I get more and more managers asking yeah. for help. And actually, it's come to a point recently where I've not been able to help them all, you know. And then, and then the manager would sort of chase me up and say, what, you know, can you help me? And I'm saying, I'm really sorry. I've got about three or four managers before you. And I'm sort of doing them in order of when they came in because I'm trying to be fair to everyone. 
they were like, mm. oh, okay, fair enough. And then eventually I'll get to them and try and help them. But I think um, the busier I get, the more difficult that will be. By the time I get to them, they might say, oh, no, I'm sorted now. Um, but, you know, I don't want to spread myself too thin and try and help too many players, yeah. too many managers at the same time because then I kind of end up giving them not many options each and then none of them actually are successful. So I try and really focus on one project, get that done, then move on to the next one. Um, and, Which is, what, had, is that what you're doing up at um, Braintree? Braintree is probably the, the, the biggest thing I've had so far in terms of, um, you know, helping a manager. I mean, Ryan, Ryan I've been in touch with him for a, for a long time, even before there were any sort of, even before he was close to getting the, the Braintree job. Um, I was, I first started talking to him about a player who, because um, he has connections, because he's Irish, he has connections over there to, um, I can't remember the teams, Cork and teams like that. And I, and, and I think he might have contacted me to say that, no, I think I saw a tweet from him saying he wanted a striker for, for Irish football. And I had an idea of someone and, and I put him forward and Ryan wanted to see him. And actually he took the player over there to sort of put him up you know accommodation and that and flights and got in the trial unfortunately he didn't he didn't get in so the guy came back um and uh but since then i sort of kept in contact with ryan and uh, and as the brain tree thing sort of got closer um you know he he asked for for help because really with uh, brain tree were not performing very well were they they were seven defeats out of seven in conference south they were really not going well so um when the when the manager resigned um and a new manager comes in taking over a team that's lost seven out of seven he looks to not not a not a full broom sweeps clean but um you know he he had to bring in some some better players uh and and i was you know in touch with him quite a bit about helping him on that and in and in the end I was yeah I helped him with he, he made eight he made eight changes from from the 11 that had lost on the previous Saturday and then his first game was home to Concord on the Tuesday and uh, he'd um, he brought in eight eight new players and four of those that I'd facilitated so and um, and because I'd done that you know you get you get a real kind of uh connection to these players and I never thought that I would be supporting you know either another team or supporting other players as strongly as I do my own non-league team and when uh, Patrick Oman who who I've helped before he's the goalie who's now at Braintree um, he's on dual reg from Carshalton uh um, when he saved a penalty in that first game, I mean, I couldn't have written the script any better. To bring a goalkeeper in and he saves a penalty against Alex Wall, who is a top striker who's played in the National League, to save that penalty, I mean, I was jumping around like a madman. Uh, you know, and, and I only ever do that for my own team. So to do that at a, at a brain tree game against Concord... <laughs> it was uh, it was crazy, really, and 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 all four of those players did really well, 
and uh, and it was a great win for them and and that often happens doesn't it when a new manager comes in uh, and then things turn around and and since then oh, I've, I've really shot myself in the foot because I'm a Tunbridge Angels fan and their second game was coming down to Tunbridge Angels and what did they do came down and beat us and not only did Patrick the goalie have a very solid game but Tom Derry who I arranged to come down, ex-Angel, he goes and scores as well. So, Where um, did you get Tom Derry down to Braintree? Because, as you know I, know, I know Tom quite well, but... That's right, yeah, you do, yeah. But well, he must um, have just... Because he cut his... Well, he's he, got drive along... I just thought, why has he gone to... Because I know he doesn't like travelling that much, but I suppose it's not that far relatively to... Um, from where he lives to go and get into Tunbridge, but yeah, um, it was a miracle signing. I, I just thought it was a, a brilliant, well, a brilliant signing actually. It's well, like, he, he, you know, he he's a great player, and even up until the end at Tunbridge, um, he was still having good games. You know, he scored. I think he scored the winner in, in in one of their FA Cup matches in their good run to the first round. And uh, but I, I think Steve McKim, Tunbridge manager, he just. I think he just fancied a bit of a change uh, and he brought in chap Tommy Wood striker who's excellent as well and um, and 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 Tom left uh, and then Tom went to Hayes and Yedding uh, step three um, and that's when I said to him you know when step three stopped I said because a lot of a lot of step three not a lot but a fair few step three players have gone up to step two to play Jill Reg and keep their fitness going, which is, you know, which is great for the step two side. It's great for the step three side. Although the danger with that is then they like it in the step two, then they want to stay. Um, but with Derry... Um, then it gives an opportunity for... Then it does give an opportunity for players to come through the bottom end and, and come up and get an opportunity at sort of step three. So it kind of works. It kind of yeah, always, definitely. It always works out both ways, I, I feel. You know. Yeah, and I think when Hayes and Yedin, uh, you know, when Step Three stopped, you know, it was a it was a great opportunity for for Derry to be able to continue playing. Uh, mm-hmm. And when Ryan said, you know, I need a I need a striker, uh, my first thought, well, I went through my list. So I've got a list of all positions um, of players that I like, um, and, and Derry was near the top of them. And I thought, you know, he, he could he could work for them. And you know he's come in and he's been he's been excellent. He's been usual Tom Derry, really. You know what you're going to get from him. You are going to get goals. You're going to get a lot of effort from him. And uh, he was yeah. he, he's been very good in both games. Mm. So, um, um, what uh, what's the plan moving forward? Are you going to just keep plodding on? Well, it's tricky, really. It's a tricky one, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. You know, some some people say, "Oh, you know, you should go and be an agent." But then, I think to myself, you know, okay, it's all right doing this. I'm sort of comfortable doing this. But when you're an agent, you know, you've really got to have a lot more knowledge. You've got to have real knowledge of all the football laws and contract law and all that kind of thing. Um, so I certainly don't think I could go and do that and set up by myself and just go for it. One, it actually costs money and I would only want to do that if I think I could get some of that back. Um, 
uh, I thought possibly of actually I've, I'm, I've been talking to a couple of uh, agent companies about possibly sort of coming in with them and working with them sort of being like their non-league arm mm. um, and, and then that way I could tap into all of their knowledge and their contacts and kind of learn it through an established company which is much better than just starting from scratch when really I'm just I'm just winging it I'm, le- I'm learning as I go and I'd rather have someone teaching me the ropes than me trying to sort of learn it from scratch so that that's an option i, I quite i'm quite interested in scouting um as well i've i've done a couple of scouting workshops um with a really brilliant company a guy called jed searson he used to um to be a scout in the professional game um and at west ham and stuff like that and he's he's really good his workshops are great and, and last night I did a workshop with a chap called Hugo Langton, who is the Lewis manager. Um, but yeah, he's, Hugo, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been in the. <clears throat> he, he, he's been around for a long time. He's a UEFA A licensed coach, and he does. Uh, he was doing a workshop opposition analysis, and I was on there with. I was totally out my depth. I was on there with all these coaches with all these uh, uh, qualifications. And um, we watched a half of football, uh, uh, Leeds against Everton, and then we were supposed to kind of dissect it about, you know, with their tactics and all that kind of thing, their attacking mentalities and, and their tra- transitioning and all that kind of thing. And um, I was like, blimey, wow, just, just looks like a 4-5-1 to me. That's, that's all I can say. <laughs> but it just goes to show, because then when they started talking, it was, it was almost like talking a different language, you know, I was trying to pick up on things, but it's incredible how much is actually going on in a football match. There's so much going on, so many different tactics, and it's it's so in-depth. And to the layman who's just watching it, who just thinks it's 22 guys kicking a ball around, it is so in-depth. And that fascinated me, actually, that those guys talked for about 45 minutes about um, about the philosophy of Leeds and that kind of thing, and I was like, "Wow, that you know, I I clearly have so much to learn about the game." But that kind of made me think. I, you know, I'm really interested in that and trying to to learn that. So, I think I've got sort of a few few things I want to do. I just want to learn. I want to learn the game as much as I can, really, because then that will help me with kind of identifying players who I should be putting forward to clubs because the most important thing for me is I've got to put forward quality because if I don't, and it's the same as with an agent, if you're giving crap quality to managers, they just won't use you again. They'll just think, Oh no, everyone that he gives to me is just rubbish. So it's about building up that product. Oh yeah. Okay. I, I, actually I'll ask him cause he, or, you know, he sorted me out before I see what else he's got. And that's, you know, with, with a couple of managers, um, they keep coming back to me again and again because I'm able to get a good result for them. So in terms of, yeah, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to try and keep um, growing the Twitter account first and foremost because that is the, the foundation that it all, that everything shoots off from really. And if over the next five years, if I can build it up and get over 50,000 followers, then that'll be, that'll be great. And then, um, and then who knows from there, really? I don't, I don't know 
where it's gonna where it's gonna take me i definitely need help <laughs> in more ways than one um and i've got a um, i've got a lad um from bristol actually who's done some media for uh, another non-league club and he um he, he's going to help me sort of in the background sort of setting up databases of my players and things like that just to make it easier so come in from someone say right on a left-sided uh, you know on a left winger of a certain age um, with these certain attributes or they've got to have played at a certain level then I can say to this lad right this is what I need give me some options off the database um, and then that's kind of a fluid database that's ever changing always being added to or removed um, um, so yeah so he could come in handy actually so I'm, hope, I'm hoping that could, could be quite a good partnership um but yeah so in terms of the future who who knows um i'd love i'd love to uh, you know part of me thinks i'd like to be um sort of part of the recruitment team of a club um but it probably needs a lot more experience um but having said that if you've got a huge database of players you know i could be quite i could be quite useful to a club and i think perhaps i mean uh I don't know if this is right, but I think perhaps one one day, if I, if I if I keep growing, that I hope one day a club might say, "Can you be our sort of um, exclusive, you know, kind of recruiter?" And then I'd have a bit of a decision to make because do I just work with one club, or do I work with them all, which is what I'm doing now? So I'm not sure whether that would be the right thing to do. I don't know if I'd get more experience that way. I, I don't know. But this is all totally so new to me. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm just learning from day to day. So I've no idea where, where it will take me really, but I'm just, just enjoying the the ride. I mean, I never thought, you know, I'd be doing all these things a couple of years ago. Have you it's ever weird. had a, have you, it's, it is, it is, it's great. I mean, I've just followed it from the, from the start really. And, you know, just, yeah got in contact with you but what 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 um have you ever had that player that you thought hold on everyone is wrong about this player and you you know you like you said earlier on in in the interview about you know you like a dog with a bone you don't stop and this player you know has there ever been a player that you thought and and that nah they're wrong. This, 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 you know, he's had four or five trials and it's just not happening. And then eventually it just, it just snapped. He found the right, right place or the right level and has done, gone on to, to do all right. Not really. It's kind of the opposite. I mean, sometimes, sometimes I have players that are, <laughs> um, you know, they're really ambitious and, you know they desperately want to make it and they and they think they can make it a certain level and so i try and put them to that level and the feedback i get is not good and then you know they kind of might give me an excuse about why it didn't work out there so i think well okay all right well then i'll give you another go somewhere else and it's the same thing again and um that actually then gets it gets a little bit awkward really because uh, as I said before it's about the quality I give to managers and although I'm desperate to try and help these players that you know I might talk to a lot and I get you know good sort of relation good rapport with them I really want to help them but at the same time 
I've got to be so careful that I don't put them above their station. Um, um, and, and actually, I, I, <laughs> one thing I learned was players coming back from injury because I had a player once that his CV, I'd ne- I hadn't seen him play, but his CV was really good. He played at high level. But the one thing was he was coming back from like an ACL injury and he had played at step one and step two. And so I put him in at a step three, offered him to a step three club. And he said, they said, yeah, we'll have a look at him. And the manager actually called me after. And I thought, well, that's a bit odd. They don't normally call me. They just sort of normally message me. And he said, he said, Mike, he said, that player, I was like, yeah, was absolute crap. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And he said, he said, don't worry about it. He said, he said, because I know you normally give me good, you know, good quality. He said, but that player, he said, I wish I could say something good about him, but oh. I couldn't say anything good about him. Um, and I was just like cringing. And I said, I'm so sorry. I said, you know, I, th- I thought that, you know, with, with that kind of background he's got, that he'd be fine going into some, you know, somewhere like your club. And uh, he said, no, he was so way off it. And that's because he was unfit and he was coming back from an injury. So I'm so careful with that now that when I, um, and often I give players like, like a template they have to fill out. If they haven't yeah. got a CV, I'll give them a template, you know, position, you know, um, location what kind of budget you're looking for what what you know clubs and appearances and right at the bottom now i put um you know physical condition you know match fit fit you know unfit injured so that i know exactly because now that is a huge factor for me where i put them and 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 i think i've avoided similar situations by holding back players or putting them somewhere else because, you know, when they're coming back from injury, you're not going to be anywhere near where you were. Mm. You know, not only are you trying to sort of get comfortable again after that injury, but you've got to, you've got to get match fit. And, um, and uh, I've had that a couple of times, actually, where I've, I've put players in and they've, um, they've been coming back from injury and it's just not worked out and the feedback has been really bad. So, um, so I've definitely learned from that. So... Um, but going back in answer to your question, I cut, um, not really. I've not really had one where lots of people said no and then I've managed to get them. Because generally, if people say no to me, you know, these are managers, these are experienced people. What am I? I'm just a bod. I'm just a bod who looks at a CV and tries to get a bit of a feel for it. Or what I might do is I might speak to manage other managers. If I see a club, that's mentioned on the CV and I think, oh, right, okay. Oh, so-and-so was managing that club then. I know him. I'll contact him and I'll say, what, what did you think of that player? And then they give me some really good, really good, you know, really, feedback, um, yeah. yeah, really good feedback. And then, so what I do then is then I use that because, because them saying he's really good is a lot more useful than just me saying he's really good. So I'll put him forward. Here's his CV. And also... Fred Bloggs at Cadbury FC says da 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 da, and then suddenly that gives a lot more weight. Yeah. 
yeah, it, it elevates it. And um, but the one thing I will I will always try and say to players is, um, you've got to have footage. You've got to have video footage. Um, otherwise, you know, so many managers say it's it's so difficult to ascertain the player just just off his bit of paper, his CV. Because often, you know, it's like with any CV, it's not just football, but you'll you'll embellish it, won't you? Or you'll miss yeah. out the that you'll miss out the bad bits. So it's a case of trying to see through that. But if you've got footage and the player and the manager can see the footage, um, then that massively helps. How long would you say? Take up. How long would you say the footage has to be? Yeah, it's it's. You've got to get a good balance. It can't mm-hmm. be too short. Yeah. Then it can't go on forever. And also be careful about the about the music that you put on there. I've had a few managers that say, oh, God, that music was terrible. I couldn't, um, I don't know why I just didn't turn it down. But they said, oh, you know, I can't no, be watching because that music was doing my head in. You know, yeah. one of them said, one of them said something like, oh, I feel like, um, I feel like I was in a lap dancing club when he was when he was watching the footage and listening to that music. It reminded him of a of a, of a gentleman's club. A gentleman's club, yes. Yeah. Listen, Mike. The, the other thing, the other thing is um, what interest. What what interests me is because I, I go to a lot of non-league games. Is the travelling? Yeah. Like Tuesday training, Thursday training. I mean, there's a. You know, I support a club on the south coast, and there's people that there's players that travel down twice a week for training, and or they're expected to travel twice a week for training, and um, and then the, the Saturday matches. There's a lot of car journeys. Yeah. Do you think this is something that the young, definitely young players, don't actually factor in or or realise sometimes? Yeah, I mean that that's a that's a problem with you know with some some young players they don't even drive. So uh, you know when I was trying to get someone even into a into a trial he would say okay well I'll leave 2 hours before because I've you know I've worked it out I've got to get the bus then I've got to get the train then I've got to get another bus at the other end. And I was thinking oh my god you know you can't do that twice a week and then and then get public transport to the game as well. It just doesn't work so if they don't drive that's a big problem um but managers non in particular non-league managers um a lot of them are very hot on having local players they don't want players traveling two hours you know both both ways for training they just don't want that because it will knacker, knacker them out the player will get fed up with it so, you know, if they had a choice of two players about the same, they would always go for the more local one. That's been, that's been quite a strong theme. Um, well, uh, yeah, I th- I, it, and it is, it, is, it is a real commitment. You know, if you're working, you know, you've got to have a job. Some of these guys have got jobs that are kind of flexible. I've done a bit of, not research, I'm a bit nosy. So uh, these are the things that interest me. Is like, how do you actually fit this into your life? We know you love football. You're not earning enough to sort of, you know, you're not earning enough to sort of, you've probably got enough to live on, but not, maybe not, you know, if, if some of these players don't yeah. get paid a lot of money, let's be honest. Um, no, so they, no, it's so just they a have top to work, up, really. It, yeah, and they have to work, 
And it's like you have to have a flexible. I suppose that's why a lot of them do coaching and stuff like that, so they can coach at a school, leave at three thirty, three three thirty, and then factor in that journey. But it is yeah, a bit, yeah, man. yeah. It is, um, and you know, it's it's often one of the first questions a manager will ask me is, "Where does he live?" Because if he's too far, that rules him out straight away. What really? they might do sometimes is, yeah, what they might do is say okay we'll, we'll we'll have him um but he doesn't need to if he lives quite a long way away and they're really keen on him they might say just come in once a week come in on a tuesday but then train you know be happy for him to train somewhere else more locally so sometimes they do that and that that works for both parties although yeah. you know if i if i was a manager and i you know if i'm working on if I'm working on shape on the Thursday night for the game on the Saturday, I would want that player there. So I don't know quite how they how they work it. I think the they do. Not there. I think I think what I've done. You know, I worked with a young guy. It was a, it's basically he's a, he's a mate of my son's, and he said, "Oh, can you get me a get me a help me out?" Um, and I've only done it once, and I I got him down. He has he has to travel an hour and a half to a really nice club, really good people. And they said the same. They said, look, we do fitness on a Tuesday. We do set plays and tactics on uh, a Thursday. Just come down on the Thursday. Yeah. You know, we'll yeah. give you a bit of petrol money. We haven't got loads of money, but, you know, we've seen the potential there. And if you advance, you could get up to a decent, quite a fairly decent level. But it's, you know, it's, it's a long process. You've got, to, especially now with the season being broken up and you can't get a run of games and and all that sort of stuff um it's quite difficult isn't it yeah definitely but i i can sort of hear the the light going up in managers eyes when they say oh you know where's he live and i say a location because my geography is not great um i'll say a location i'll say is is that any good and they're, they're like oh, that's perfect, that's right on our doorstep, and they're really, really happy about that. So it's interesting. It's, it, I never realised how important location was to a manager in non-league until I started doing this. It's, it's huge. It's all about getting the local guys in. Having said that, you know, you look at someone like Tunbridge, um, I don't think any of the squad live in Tunbridge. You know, a lot of them live in, you know, Essex, East London, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I suppose what well, it's probably about an hour. It's probably not too bad. It's when you're getting up to an hour and a half, two hours each way. That's when managers say that's it's just not going to work. And if you do a if you do a full day's work, and you probably have to leave work straight from work and drive for two hours through the through the rush. If hour you traffic, get traffic, yeah. If you get, get traffic, training, imagine going from West London, say Hillingdon, yeah. coming over to Braintree. Yeah, it's just Do you know what work. I mean. Uh, and and, and public could, transport at Braintree doesn't doesn't. Not, I'm just not singling it out, but it's just an example of somewhere that's it's not particularly close to the station. I've been there on a Tuesday night when White got relegated and couldn't get oh. home. I, I a geezer at for a Braintree fan had to kind of kindly drop me off in St Albans somehow. He was going that way, but um, really. So, yeah, imagine being a player because you're there another hour after. It's like, fuck, you, you know, I'm not, it's yeah, quite and, a problem. Uh, 
Yeah, and actually, uh, Ryan, the brain tree manager, uh, last week, he said, "Can you get me a goalie for a training session?" I said, "Because my my goalie, I've um, I've not, I've given him the night off." So I, I got him a player from. I think he lived in somewhere like Enfield, but yeah. he was taking he was taking public transport. It didn't matter too much because it was just a one off. He was going to help, but he he kind of called me from. He called me after the after the session, and he was sat on a bench at like Braintree Station. No, um, and he was, <laughs> you know, I, I'm just, you know, waiting. I'm here on on my own. There's no one around. I don't know when the next train's going to be. All that kind of thing, and it sounded like he was in, you know, it was in the middle of nowhere. And just imagine if you're doing that regularly, weekly. It's just not going to work. Gaffers well, just won't be, want that. You, no, and you've got to be really obsessed and really committed, and I suppose that's it. Listen, we come to the end of the end of the show. It's been oh. really, really good speaking to you. Um, Pleasure. Thanks, it's been thanks great. for coming on. Just, just that's really, right. really, really, really interesting. I hope the the listeners will follow you on uh, on Twitter and uh, and follow your progress, like like we all are. I def, I certainly am with them. Um, you know, in a positive way, in a really yeah, positive yeah. way. It's like, you know, go on, son, go and get in there. And um, hopefully you give a lot of players, more importantly, you give a lot of players an opportunity to to have a go and uh, and fair play to you for that. Fantastic. Thank you. Actually, one other thing I do, I do that radio show. Every, I haven't done it for a while, but every now and then I do kind of like a non-league soccer Saturday. I want to do that more once fans are back in the grounds because then I use, obviously, yourself. You're brilliant. I yeah. use reporters around the grounds. I'm getting more and more of those now, getting a lot more northern reporters as well. So I'm trying to grow that. So if you're listening to this and you fancy reporting at your club, give me a shout. All right. And any of the Selk uh, listeners that are just at Saturday, wherever you are, isn't it, really? Wherever you are, um, yeah. just get on your phone. It's brilliant fun. And uh, Mike likes to have updates throughout the afternoon from wherever you are. So that's a really good thing. Just doing yeah, good and stuff. And it's, just, and it's just fun, you know. We yeah, look for more, for more amusing things like, you know, dog on the pitch or the referee fell over. It's, it's not all... Uh, you know, serious, serious. We we it's uh, we like a bit put a bit of fun into the proceedings. Definitely, when I'm on, it's not. Oh serious. yeah, you were fantastic. You were going around interviewing all <laughs> all the fans. <laughs> that was perfect. Just I love that day. We got to do it again. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was, um, that was. You were at a good game as well, weren't you? It was uh, it was at Lewis, wasn't it? Well, Lewis, yeah. And we. What do you we call won, it? We won three one. Yeah. The, what do you yeah. call it? The, 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 the something the drip, derby the pan zero the dripping pan yeah it was the um, um yeah I don't know I do come up with them they're off the cuff yeah. if you don't record it you will have to go but listen have a have a good evening nice thanks one, for coming cheers. on thanks for and I'll speak so good luck with everything cheers. thank you and you bye cheers bye. man bye cheers bye one to one with odds and evens is a time bomb production for Selk Podcasts. Thanks for listening. Check out on all the socials. Odds and evens. Odds and evens. I'm out. 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 Having trouble tracking who can play and who can't? Download Down to Play before your next match. The first app to purely focus on player availability. Get Down to Play for free in the App Store and Google Play.
This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability.